Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of The Solar Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett, and I am absolutely thrilled today to have my guest join us. This is somebody I've known for, oh, goodness gracious, uh, about 10 years now, at least. Uh, right in, well, a little bit more than that, actually. Uh, coming up on 15, I think, <laughs> thereabouts. Um, yeah, Shelly Lefko. Um, I first met her uh, in the Transformational Leadership Council that I'm a member of, and she's a member of, and her late husband was a member of. And this is a collection of uh, individuals that uh, are fascinating. And I say fascinating because Shelley certainly is included in that description. Um, the thought leaders, movie producers, authors, um, captains of industry, uh, I mean, just just some of the most phenomenal people you will ever meet. And the focus of everything that we do within the TLC, the Transformational Leadership Council, is how do we actually use leadership as a mechanism to enhance the quality of life on the uh, on the planet? And that's kind of my take on it. Um, you know, we use it through business, but we also do it in our personal lives. You know, we've got families that we lead. We've got communities that we lead. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have Shelly on. She's got a new book coming out called Hitting the Wall, Eliminating the Beliefs that Sabotage Your Business and Your Life. And it's coming out uh, August 29th is when it drops. And we're going to talk about that book. We're also going to talk about just kind of what led up to the book. And mostly we're going to talk about whatever Shelly and I find <laughs> find to talk about. <laughs> so Shelly Lefko, I want to welcome you to the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you, my darling. It's great to be here. You know, uh, I start off these interviews uh, and these conversations. They're not really interviews, conversations, uh, usually with a question. When you hear the term the soul of business, what does that, what does that bring up for you? Mm, I love it, love it, love it. Um, it actually brings up two things. Um, I think that as transformational leaders, one of the things... I think is incredibly important. It's like what, you know, the first time I heard compassion, compassionate capitalism, I went, I'm in love, you know? Um, so the soul of business to me is to do things with heart, with integrity, to honor each other as humans um, and to always enter into business with not only your highest good, but the person that you're dealing with's highest good as well. Um, and the second thing it brings up for me, Blaine, is I talk a lot about watering all the plants. And so if your business has soul, 
Um, the rest of your life has to have soul. You know, there's a lot of workaholics, a lot of people who put 100% of themselves into their business. And I always say, if you had a lot of plants in the house, you would never water just one. Obviously, the rest would die. And so we have a lot of plants. We have our romantic relationships. We have our friendships. We have our health and, and our bodies to take care of. We have our children. We have leisure activities. You know, I always say I play pickleball at least once a day uh, for my soul. Because if my soul is good, I could bring my soul into everything I do. So the soul of business for me brings up how is the rest of your life? Are you bringing your soul into all the areas of your life? Are you watering all the plants? I love that metaphor, watering all the plants. Um, you know, I you know, when I talk about soul, I reference oftentimes Carl Jung's uh, notion of it and also ancient Greek, you know, that, that force that, uh, that moves to and through something that looks for expression and it uses the physical material mm. world as the, as the mechanism by which that, that spirit or that soul gets expressed in its unique fashion, you know, incredibly unique fashion. Um, you've worked with over, you know, you know, a couple hundred thousand people, um, over the course of your career and the idea of, um, you know, here's where I want to go with this question. I was in a conversation with a student of mine uh, yesterday, actually, and he said something. It was just kind of a, a drive-by comment in the con in the course of the conversation. And what he mentioned or what he said was, um, and th this was in the framing of uh, leaders, um, he said, you know, I want to be a light. I want to be a light for my people. And mm. I said, well, that's interesting. Yeah, tell me more about that. So, so in order for there to be light, something has to burn. And I went, whoa, okay. What do you, it, what do you think in the work that you do? Because it, all of your work is organized around bringing that soul expression out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Family systems with individuals and businesses that you work with. Using that metaphor, something has to burn in order for light to shine. What's what is it that you actually work with your clients with that ends up burning, quote unquote, away, such that there is more uh, light? I love that. I love that, Blaine. It's everything. So it's such a great um, metaphor, actually, for everything. Because so people generally come to me. And um, they have everyday problems, whether it's procrastination um, in business. Very often it's imposter syndrome. You know, I work with CEOs of, you know, I, I love I always um, love this, that so many people have a fear of public speaking. You know, it's the number one fear in the country. Um, and then, you know, they, and I say, well, when is your fear the worst? And they say, oh, when there's a C-level person in the room. And then, you know, my next session is with a, a C-level person. And he goes, I have 3,000 employees and I'm doing a speech next week and I'm terrified. And I said, you do know that they all get terrified. He goes, I know, I know. So whether it's imposter syndrome, procrastination, whether it's being in um, you know, loveless or sexless marriages whether it's not expressing yourself fully. What I find and have found for 35 years 
is that it is our mostly unconscious beliefs that determine, that actually cause those patterns. And I love what you're talking about. And it's such a great conversation because if you're procrastinating, you're not, your light's not burning because you can't do what you want to do. You can't be a full expression of yourself. You know, if you're in a loveless relationship, your light's not burning because you are, again, not, you're not anytime these issues dim your light. So you're not burning, it's not burning. So I have a passion, as you well know, to have people, the mission of our company is to have people live as the unlimited possibilities that they are. So the first thing I want to do is back up for a second. So a belief when we started 35 years ago, people used to say, what, what do you mean you eliminate beliefs? Like religious beliefs? Now, everybody knows you can't make change if you don't change your beliefs. Right. So a belief is a statement about reality that we hold as the truth. Yep. So it's not, eh, it's, I believe this is the right way to do it, right? So our beliefs, by definition are limitations because if this is true, this is not true. Yep. Right. So underlying all of our patterns are these beliefs. So I had a belief, which is very, very, very common. What makes me good enough? So I'm not good enough, which everybody pretty much has. What makes me good enough is having other people think well of me. So that stopped me from being my authentic self because I would walk away going, did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? Am I wearing the right thing? Does he like me? Does she like me? You know, I always tease your wife and I, I said, you're the one that got away. And I would walk away going, oh my God, did, did she get upset? Does she think I'm going to steal her husband? So it was this constant voice, right? When that belief went away, as it does in one session, I was able to speak in Croatia in front of 600 people and be my authentic self. And my focus is on them. It's not on me anymore. I'm not worried about what people think. So yeah. there's a freedom. So my light can burn brightly because I don't have that stop anymore. You know, I, I love this, so Shelly. I, yeah. just, just the, the notion of authenticity, and I'm glad that we kind of came to that, 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 that point. Uh, I've played with authenticity. I, I do a, a, a program for uh, the American Association for Physician Leaders or Physician Leadership. And I've led that program for 12 years now. Uh, we started out in, in partnership with Harvard on it. And the program is called Leadership Authenticity. And for the first oh, two years that I was leading that program, yeah, I wrestled with how do I actually define authenticity? I went to Kierkegaard, I went to Heidegger, I went, I mean, Jung, I, I mean, I had all kinds of classic definitions of authenticity. And where I landed, and it's very consistent with what you're talking about here, authenticity is what I'm left with when I stop trying to manage your perception of me. And mm. when, when I get to that point, it's kind of like <sighs> I, I get to show up at that point. And I love that. I will write it down later. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to steal it. Borrow, steal, you know, modify. Is, 
And I still lean. And that's that. where the power is, though, is on, in authenticity. Um, yeah, Will Schutz, uh, who you may be familiar with, Dr. Will Schutz, uh, he was a contemporary of uh, Carl Rogers, contemporary of Fritz Perls. Um, I was with Will years ago in an encounter group. Yeah, he did a, you know, he was kind of the father of encounter groups, he and Fritz. And um, we were talking one night and he, you know, one night, it was probably about four o'clock in the morning. Uh, I said, what is this, what is this fixation on vulnerability? Because that's really where, you know, encounter groups were really organized was just be vulnerable, get open, be, you know, throw the kimono open. And he said, Blaine, you've got to understand that the only way that people truly connect is through vulnerability. If there's a facade mm. in the way, they, there's no place for them to actually access who you are. And that's, you know, that, that's kind of what led into that definition of authenticity. So, and that's scary as hell for people to be that, that vulnerable because you talk about the imposter syndrome. How do you work with your leaders, the ones that you're actually working with, to mitigate the incredible gravity that uh, our society has around looking good, being perfect, doing it right, particularly as a leader, you have to have the answers. How do you work yeah. with folks? Because I know how I do. And I've got a hunch that uh, there's some similarities, here, but I'm, I'm real curious about what the, what the differences might be. Yeah. So we have a process and basically, so I do some coaching, you know, my entrepreneurs, um, I will coach a little bit, but basically I look at, let's assume you have a belief as a leader, I have to know all the answers. Well, where did that come from? So the first place we, first thing we do is we go back to the source of where beliefs were formed. So self-esteem belief beliefs are always formed in childhood. Yeah. Business beliefs might be your first job or things your father told you. I had, um, interestingly enough, I just had a client who called me many years ago and he said he wanted to start his own business, but he, his father used to say to him, a job is secure, a business <laughs> is dangerous, Right. So he always had the belief being an entrepreneur was dangerous. And of course, his father had a bad experience, lost everything, all that. And so we went back to his childhood where the belief was formed. We got, he got rid of the belief and he called me 15 years later and he said, Shelly, I need you. I said, what's up? And he said, well, my business is worth, I think I can't remember, $60 million dollars. <laughs> He wanted to buy out his partner and he had stuff about that. So when with vulnerability or having all the answers, we, most of us who are old enough to be leaders, um, were in schools that when you didn't know the right answer, they just went, oh, no, that's wrong. You, you, there was never let's engage, or maybe that's true, but what, what else is possible? It was so about right answers. And the first thing, you know, today, you know, Siri has all the answers. Having the answers is the booby prize. I mean, that's not a skill anymore. AI, you know, chat GPT knows all the answers. But to be creative, to empower others. So when we get rid of the belief 
that we have to have all the answers. The, the business leaders that I work with learn how to empower the people who work for them by allowing them to contribute. Because my belief is that all people want to do is contribute underneath everything. Everybody wants to contribute. That's what feels juicy when you make a difference. And as a leader, you don't have to know all the answers. You know how you have to know how to ask great questions. You know, you have to know how to use your resources, which is the people who work for you. One of my heroes um, is Richard Branson, because Richard Branson says, I love to, and I know you've spent time with him. I love to start new businesses. I don't like to run them. So (laughs) I hire smart people to run my businesses. (laughs) He doesn't have to know all the answers. So when you get rid of, here's the thing about getting rid of beliefs. It's not that the opposite is true. So here's a box. In this box, I have to know all the answers. Empowering people and ask is not a possibility. When you get rid of the boxes or the beliefs, possibilities exist that you can choose from. If you have a belief, people can't be trusted. I have to do everything myself. You're not going to be a good leader. You're just not. And you cannot trust people. You'll micromanage people. You'll do a lot of things. But to just say, take it and run, let me know how it turns out, is not a possibility. So it keeps you small. You know, that box metaphor, uh, I use that a lot. And there's there's ways that we're going to work uh, with people or that I work with people. Um, and, it's, and I love these distinctions that you're making here. One, one question I've got for you here. Yeah, eliminating a belief. Nature abhors a vacuum. So what backfills when that belief is eliminated? That is, I just got that because people have said that to me. That's a belief. I never saw that before. Nature abhors a vacuum is a belief because if you're sitting in possibility and there's no anything there, then you choose possibilities. So the reason, so let me say two things. The reason that our beliefs stay with us through 10 years of therapy and 40 personal growth courses, you can do a lot of work on yourself and learn how to cope with your issues. When you eliminate your beliefs, there's no issues to cope with. Bingo. And here's the secret. Okay. This is not going to sound powerful, but when you do it, it is. We think we see our beliefs in the world. So when I say to people, and and I had this client this morning, and she just kept saying, but I did see it. I saw that I wasn't good enough. If you were there, you would have seen it too. Now, you can't not believe something you think you saw. So if, if I said to you, if somebody said to you, Blaine, you know, Shelly's a blonde, right? You'd say, no, she's a redhead. And they'd say, no, no, she's a blonde. You'd say, no, I know Shelly. I saw her this morning. 
right? So you can't, it's impossible to not believe something you think you saw. So if you grew up really poor, so I have this client who's very successful and he's obsessed with making money. He can't have enough. He just, he just has to make more and more. He doesn't know his kids. His wife's ready to divorce him, but he has to keep making money because he has the belief that money as scarce and hard to get, and it will be taken away from you at any moment, because right. obviously that's what happened to his parents. But if you grow up, you go, you watch your parents struggling with money. How are we going to pay the bills? And they're stressed. And every child alive asks why all day long. Why are my parents struggling like this? Oh, I see. Life is hard. Money is scarce and hard to get. And it feels like I saw that. You saw your parents struggling. Mm -hmm. You saw them talk about money. You saw them not be able to pay the bills. But money is scarce and hard to get wasn't out there. That was in here. Right. That's exactly where it is. Yeah. So yeah. telling somebody, oh, your beliefs are in your head or writing it on a piece of paper and ripping it up or all the things that people do. And I want to say one other thing, information and motivation can be powerful. However, it is not how you make change. Most people go to business books, they get MBAs, they get more degrees and they learn more and they listen and then, then, and nothing changes. How many of you have ever walked out of a workshop that you went, that was fabulous. That was so good. And three days later, nothing's changed and the notes are in the drawer. Because if you have a belief, two of the most common beliefs people have, and I don't care how many business books you read, mistakes and failures are bad. Mm -hmm. And if I make a mistake or fail, I'll be rejected or I'll look stupid. Those beliefs will keep you small and stuck. Yep. No matter what. And that's why all this great information that's out there is not utilizable if you have beliefs in the way. Right. One no, last thing. I, yeah. One last thing here. We're going to take a break. Go ahead. I've got, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You got, you got one more thing to say here. Okay. One last thing. Workaholism, right? So Blaine, you and I were talking about watering all the plants, right. right? So we have a plant called our business and we water it and it grows and it's strong and we're working and working and working. But what happens to your relationships with your spouse or your significant other or your children? What happens to your free leisure time? You get to the end of your life and you worked yourself to death. Here's the belief. I'm not good enough. I'm not important. Now we got a beach ball in our faces. Nobody wants that. How do we hold the beach ball down? Well, what makes me good enough are my achievements mm -hmm. because that's what you got acknowledged for as a kid, scoring goals, getting A's. So you say, ah, what makes me good enough are my achievements. Now I got to hold this beach ball underwater or it comes up in my face, right? So that's workaholism. And even if I had a client 
who is the he owned um, a financial company. And he said, Shelly, I'm worth $10 million. He said, I'm on the cover of business publications. When is it going to be enough? Yep. I said, never. Never. Because it's never going to make you good enough and it's never going to make you important. Yeah. It'll make you feel that way for a few minutes, but you have to keep doing it. Yeah. See, folks, I hope you're really listening to this because this is exactly what we're talking about when we're looking at the soul of business, the soul of life. I mean, if you look at nature, nature for me is probably the greatest teacher I've ever uh, yeah, had. And frequent listeners to the, to, the, to the show have heard me say this. But in nature, there are no mistakes. Yeah. Everything in nature mm -hmm. is good enough. Everything in nature is enough. I mean, all mm -hmm. of this stuff just kind of, we, we, this is the great tragedy of Western civilization. As we have moved, as we've grown, as we've expanded, as we moved into cities and urbanized ourselves, concrete became a natural resource. And we got disassociated from the touch of the earth. Most people don't have a clue what the source of their drinking water is. It comes out of the tap. But where, what's, what's, what's the font? Where does it come from? I sit here on this island and I look across the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, Puget Sound here in Seattle, and I can see the Kitsap Peninsula and the Olympic Mountains in the distance. Now, I'm on an island. My water comes from the Olympic Mountains. It comes through the aquifer mm -hmm. under the Puget Sound, and it comes up, and I've got a well here. I'm very clear about that source, and I care about that source. It nourishes me, and so my attention is around nature and its, it's lessons. We're going to come back in a minute here. Um, we're going to take a real quick break. When I come back, I want to talk about hitting the walls, <laughs> okay? Because when, when we start moving with beliefs, I mean, that box that you were referencing, that is a, that's a wall that people bounce into. So we're going to talk about just kind of how you manage to uh, you know, kind of eliminate the beliefs that sabotage your business in your life, which is the tagline of hitting the wall, okay? Folks, we'll be right back. Talking to Shelly Lefko, uh, co-founder of the Lefko Institute. Stay tuned. The nature of life is evidenced in nature. Nature grows, and all of nature honors the desire to be more, to have more, and to do more. Life thrives when it's allowed to grow. And ideally, thriving is what we also, all of us, want to be able to do. Unfortunately, at some stage in life, most people find themselves settling into what I can only call a rut. And a rut is nothing more than a coffin with the ends kicked out. You want to quickly get out of any rut that you find yourself in. When you stop growing, that's when the coffin starts to appear. You know, the simple truth is this, and this is true for everything in nature. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Every one of us dies. So the question we need to come to grips with is not, are we going to die? The question nature asks us to answer is, are we truly living? That's what motivation is about. It's the desire to move. It's the desire to grow and to excel. Have I lived? How have I lived? I'd love for you to take advantage of my Leadership Mindset Masterclass. It's all about providing you with the tools to ensure thriving for yourself and for those around you. Register today to receive the free introduction video 
and find out more about this acclaimed program. You'll also receive a copy of my international number one bestseller, Compassionate Capitalism, A Journey to the Soul of Business. I'm Blaine Bartlett, and I look forward to helping you thrive. Welcome back. Um, just before we took a break, I was talking to Shelley about her new book, uh, or I'd mentioned uh, her new book uh, just before we took the break, um, Hitting the Wall. It's coming out August 29th. And the idea here has to do, and this, I love the metaphor of wall you know, in this context, because when I start trying to expand where I'm at you know, to growth, you know, growth is uncomfortable by definition. Growth moves me into territory I've never been. And you know, mm. when I was an adolescent, when I was a, you know, growing up, I, you know, growing pains. My grandparents would talk about growing pains. My mom would talk about growing pains. And, and it was physically. I mean, I'm, I'm growing. And it hurt. It ate. Uh, so growth is oftentimes accompanied by discomfort. It doesn't have to be pain, but it's discomfort, unfamiliarity, yeah, all of that sort of thing. So people tend to be, in my experience, averse to hitting the wall. They do. They will almost do anything in their power to remain comfortable, to not have mm -hmm. to confront that wall that is between them and what they say they'd like to have. So mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit, talk to the audience, if you would, Shelley, about just kind of how this book came into be. I know it's, it's basically an embodiment of your work, but yeah, What's the nature That's, of it, and where, where where do you go with it? How do you how do you actually yeah. do what's what's there? Yeah, I love that. Um, it's interesting, Blaine, how it came to be. Um, so I want to back up. So I have always been a people person, right? When I saw Morty yeah. do this process right after he created it, now, Morty um, was your late I, husband. I just had this. Yeah. Thank you, my late husband. I watched him. And it literally almost knocked me off my chair. It was this spiritual experience. And I said, that's why I'm on this planet, to do this work. I could, you put any person in front of me, I'm good. I don't care if it's the king of England. Run a business, shoot me in the head. <laughs> I didn't know the difference between a P&L and a balance sheet when he died. I thought I was going to starve to death. I mean, I, I had no idea what I was doing. Now, here's the interesting thing about this, um, how it happened. So I'm speaking at um, A-Fest, a friend of ours, yep. um, uh, Mind Valley, Vishen Lakiani, has this uh, thing called A-Fest. And I was, awesome. when I was speakers, it was awesome a week before he, he died. Yeah, yeah that's, that was a placeholder. That was never a thing. Oh. Awesomeness fest. It's such a vision thing, though. Um, so, I, 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 so I'm doing this talk, and afterwards, this guy who's a serial entrepreneur, he owns a law firm, he's an attorney, and an entertainment company, and who knows what else, and he is um, a service-oriented, he works with kids, he's a philanthropist, he's an unbelievable guy. I don't know if you've ever met him. Uh, he came to TLC a couple of times. His name is Bahanya Premian. Oh, yes. Bahanya. Yes. Yeah. And he yeah. comes over to me and he says to me, that's it. Now I know why my clients don't listen to me. 
he because he works with entrepreneurs and he goes, I give them great advice. He said, they say they're going to take it and they don't, which is what my husband's experience was when he was a consultant. So he says, I want to write a book. It's beliefs. It's beliefs. And he goes, I want to write a book with you. And I said, I'm not, I don't have time to write a book. I have a business, I have a practice, you know, we have products and so blah, blah, blah. He goes, no, no, we'll get somebody to help us write it, but we're writing a book. So I end up writing this book with him about entrepreneurship, (laughs) which is really very interesting. (laughs) Who would have thought, right? But it's not a book about how to become a successful entrepreneur, like an MBA course. It's how to get out of the way when you hit the wall. And the wall is, I don't, I want to start a business. I'm not starting. Or the wall is, I got the product, but I'm not launching. Or the wall is, I launched the product, but I'm not improving it. So every step of the way in your business, you hit these walls. And I love what you said about change. People get comfortable and they don't, they're afraid. And for me, Blaine, one of the things, and everybody listening, you really have to look at, if you think you don't have the belief, mistakes and failures are bad, stop and ask yourself this question. Imagine you start a project and it just fails. It's a complete bust. Do you say to yourself, way to go. Yep. That was a great learning opportunity. Most people. Or do you beat yourself up? Yeah. They beat themselves up. Oh, God, I'm so stupid. I failed. My father was right. I'll never amount to anything. And you go down the tubes. Yeah. And so these beliefs will get you every time you hit that wall. You'll you know, quit instead of just go, okay, let's okay, try another project. It is what it is. Harvest a good, carry on, you know, forgive all the rest. You know, when uh, COVID hit in uh, March of 2020, uh, I mean, really kind of came to the forefront. You know, Cynthia, my wife and I, yeah, we were down in Marina Del Rey. That's where we'd been living in the LA area. And we, you know, we've got this place up here on the island, on Whidbey Island. And we moved up here. Now, what was interesting was, I had never done anything. You know, my entire career was based on face-to-face consulting, and I was all over the world with it. I, you know, we had offices in five countries. I mean, we had done, you know, all kind. Overnight, I mean, literally in a two-week span, ninety-eight percent of my book of business disappeared. It just disappeared. Hundreds of thousands of dollars just whoop. But wow, that's interesting, and. I started, I actually started laughing. I actually started laughing. And yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, I mean, excuse the French here, but um, yeah, we were so low that whale ship looked like clouds. <laughs> kind of sort of a thing. And I was kind of going, well, it can't get any worse. So why don't we just have some fun with this? I wrote a book, you know, started a mastermind program that I'd, I'd never done that. I mean, I just started experimenting. Some of it worked. We did a black swan event uh, with a you know, fella. Uh, just to kind of cut my teeth on, you know, virtual play. And I had a ball. I had a ball failing. I actually had an absolute wonderful time not succeeding in the traditional sense. And it ended up you know, opening up all kinds of possibilities. Possibilities. Um, mm-hmm. the, 
you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, one of the programs I'm doing right now, I, uh, I want, yeah, no, I'm just, I won't even talk about that, but I'll launch it with this group that I'm working with by saying this thing, we're going to go on a journey. We're going to be going into territory we've never been before. So I want you to imagine traveling and you're going to be taking a trip. You're going to be going and, and, and I will reference this, you know, Cynthia and I right now are going to, you know, we're going to Dubai, then we're going to be going to, uh, Kenya, and then we're going to go to Frankfurt, and then I've got to go to Tokyo. So it's a long trip. And I can pack for that, and I can pack everything. I can you know, put the tuxedo in there. It's kind of like, but I'm going to be schlepping through airports carrying a whole load of stuff that I don't want to be a Sherpa. <laughs> and my bag load is going to be small compared to Cynthia's if we both kind of did that. And I looked at that, and I thought, okay, here's the metaphor. You're going to be on this trip going into unknown territory. What's in your baggage? What can you let go of? What do you need to pack? What can you pick up mm. along the way? But what are some of the things in that bag? Well, some of those things in those bags are mostly organized around your beliefs. And if you're moving into unknown territory, it's going to serve you well to not carry those beliefs with you into this new territory. But, yeah, stories that you have about what you can and can't do. Stories about who they are that you're supposed to be interacting with. Uh, take those stories. Set them aside. New experience, just enter it new and, and notice what happens. You can always pick something up along the way that informs what you're doing. But this notion of carrying baggage, yeah, I mean, and we, you and I both have heard that phrase a lot, what, get rid of the baggage that you're carrying. Exactly. Yeah, I, I'd like to close on this with this. Yeah, the, the baggage that you're, um, you yeah, when, when you're working with the clients uh, and working with just people in general, uh, what's your take on the ways that people can actually come to a realization that letting go of what's in the suitcase is is healthy? Yeah. So first of all, I love the me- I love the metaphor with the what are you carrying? I think that's that's really great because um, I go a lot of places. When I go to Hawaii to see my yeah. daughter, I go with a carry on for three weeks. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't believe I need a, a lot in Hawaii. Um, but I want to, um, I, I want to give your audience a takeaway, which um, I'm going to take a little bit of a minute to explain, but I'm not of the, I, I don't subscribe to the insight. So like, Oh, I had an insight. Now I could let go of my baggage. Sometimes, but not at will. I think when you get rid of beliefs, it's an intentional, you know, I'm going to give your audience an opportunity, if it's okay with you, a free gift to just go and eliminate a belief for free at eliminatebeliefs.com. And you can eliminate one of the three most common beliefs. But here's what you can do in the moment. Okay, I'm going to make an assertion. And then I'm going to say something that will, you know, blow your minds and then I'll explain it. So the assertion is all of our feelings come from the meaning we give events. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you fail, you know, and your business disappears, most people go, oh my God, I'm going to starve to death. And that's the meaning, right? Now that comes from your beliefs, but we're not going to talk about that for a minute. We're going to just talk about the meaning. 
Blaine gave it the meaning, what's possible? We can find out. We can have fun with this. So how his behavior was, his behavior, sorry, was impacted by the meaning he gave the events, not the events. Because three people could go through the same thing and have three completely different experiences. We Many, many years ago, we had a big house. My husband had first, uh, my late husband had first created this process. We had um, what this big house in Westport, Connecticut and blah, 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 and a swimming pool and, and everything. And the market crashed and we made some stupid mistakes with money and we lost everything. We went bankrupt. And one day he walks into the house and I'm crying and he says, honey, what's wrong? And I said, what's wrong? We are losing everything. What do you mean what's wrong? He said, first of all, we're not losing everything. We have each other. We have our family. He said, second of all, I want to ask you a question. If we had to live on an island and eat coconuts, would we be okay? Could we be happy? And I looked at him and it was just like, yes. And he said, so what are you crying about? And the meaning he gave the events was what you gave that, okay, let's see what ne- what's next. Now, obviously we're not going to live on an island and eat coconuts, but who knows? Let's see what, what's next, right? I gave it the meaning we're going to starve to death. So events have no inherent meaning. So another way of saying that is we don't know anything for sure because something happens, okay? I'm going to make this short, but you'll get it. My husband died. Consequences? Absolutely. I miss him. I have to support myself. A lot of consequences. But the fact that he died doesn't mean I'll never be happy again, or I'll never love again, or I'm going to starve to death. My business is doing three to four times what it did when he was alive. So the fact that I didn't know how to run a business didn't mean I couldn't, right? So in your businesses or in your life, anytime you have a negative emotion, stop and ask yourself, what just happened? What meaning did I give what happened? Come up with one other possible meaning and then get that the events have no meaning. I didn't get the account. I didn't get on the Today Show. I didn't, whatever it was that was supposed to happen. What meaning does it have? And notice the meaning is in your mind. Always. Meaning comes from your mind. Meaning is never in the events. So that's a takeaway. Yeah, I love that. Where can people find out more about you and your process and also the book? I'm assuming the book's in the regular places. It will be in the regular places. Yeah, the book will be uh, in the regular places. Amazon, of course. Yeah. Um, So you can go to eliminatebeliefs.com and eliminate a belief for free. And then if you're interested in more, it's Lefko, L-E-F, as in Frank, K-O-E, institute.com. Beautiful. Folks, 
been listening to the amazing and wonderful and gorgeous and beautiful and vivacious Shelly Lefko. <laughs> uh, great friend, uh, very wise, very astute, and a lot of fun. Um, check her out. Check out the uh, website. Yeah, take advantage of the free gift that she's offering. I think you're going to be absolutely thrilled with it. Um, and Shelly, I, I just want to thank you, you know, truly from the bottom of my heart. It's been a wonderful conversation. I, I love playing with you, always have, and I look forward to the next time we get together. And Cynthia, by the way, you know, sends her best wishes to you. She knew that we Me were going to be talking my, today. So. My angel from heaven, <laughs> Cynthia. There you go. I love you both. You bet. This is Blaine Bartlett. You've been listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Uh, check out my website at blainebartlett.com. We've got a lot of resources there. Um, most of them are for free. Uh, that'll point you in directions where you can get all kinds of other stuff uh, that aren't free, but that's okay too. Okay, So we will see you on the next episode. Um, as a parting gift here, my, my advice is to find ways to continue to be a center of distribution in your life, not a center of accumulation. There's nothing in nature that serves as a center of accumulation. You want to give things away, folks. Have a great life. Have a great day. Have a great week. Take care. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.